Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, my name is Marvin Harrison, and I'm the founder of Dope Blood Dads. Today, I am so excited to introduce you to some new voices on our podcast. After four years of talking about all of my different experiences, I finally feel like I've got it all out. I'm super excited. And now it's about hearing from my next generation of men on their incredible journey through fatherhood. Dope Black Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Dope Black Dads podcast. I'm Marcus Ramtahol and in today's episode we are joined by David George and David is the Digital Partnerships Manager at Mattel. Uh, He's currently leading influencer marketing for Barbie and Monster High and by night outside of work he's also an author of a new book Black Boy Create. Welcome David. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, it's a real pleasure to, to have you on on the podcast today. So before we get into the book, I've, I've got to expand upon kind of your journey and your story because it's so, uh, so varied and so exciting. <laughs> yeah. um, so can you just tell the listeners kind of who you are and what you do? Oh, man, absolutely. So um, first and foremost, I was born and raised in, in Boston, Massachusetts. I'm one of five um, to an immigrant family from Honduras. Um, I'm always I'm super proud of that. That's why I always mention it. And um, I guess just kind of going back to, to the very beginning, I think growing up in Boston, I, I discovered I was a creative kid around like eight, eight or nine years old, like to the point where I was super obsessed with Nickelodeon all that. And I would write letters because I wanted to be on those shows, um, so badly. And, um, I just kind of, I just kind of grew that. Right. So I, I realized around eight years old that I love to dance. So in the community, I would always find like little talent shows and, you know, art competitions and things just to be a part of, because that's when I truly felt myself, you know, and, um, on the flip side of that, right, I had a, a brother who was a superstar athlete. <laughs> so I grew up kind of alongside that and trying to figure out like, you know, in my community, like for boys, especially, right, like sports was the path. And here I am over here, this artistic kid that's like, I don't know, like, what do I do with this? But I don't know, somehow my intuition just kind of told me to keep following that path. And eventually, um, I found an organization about like high, uh, high school age, I want to say that was like, oh, my God, you know, you're 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 an artist, you're talented, you're creative um, and just really poured into that side of um, of me. And um, through that journey, 
I, I just ended up deciding that I was going to move out of Boston and kind of move to New York City. I think my career, and I think my career did start as a professional dancer. That was the, the first thing I was obsessed with, music videos, MTV, popular culture. Um, and I was like, all right, I'm going to move to New York City as soon as I turn 18. And like, that's what I'm going to pursue. So I moved out to New York while I was um, still in school. I was going to St. John's University uh, to study business while I was kind of learning who I was as a creative person on the side. And eventually that led me into a career in marketing. Um, it was like, it was kind of like, how did those two connect to each other? I, who know, right, right. It was super random, but no, I was in New York and um, I was, I was doing the dance thing. And I was very fortunate after I graduated college to uh, find an agent, which was super awesome. And I got to do like music videos, commercial. Let's see you do a little bit of on-camera stuff yourself. Um, so I did that. And then, <laughs> um, so I did that for a little bit. And then um, I took a part-time job. I think any artist out there kind of understands like in between gigs, you kind of take a part-time job or something to kind of keep money coming in. In, right, <laughs> bills paid, food on the table. And um, so my part-time job was in fashion at Gap, just super regular retail associate and an opportunity opened up. Um, I was one time I was in my, on my break in the back room and uh, I saw an opening for uh, someone passionate about social media. <laughs> it, it was, this was like 2014 before, like we had Instagram, we had Facebook, we had all that great stuff, but this was kind of before um, I think brands you know, really knew what they were doing on social media. So it was very, 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 very vague. Um, so I went in um, one day and I, I kind of asked a couple of managers about that role. And I want to say it took about a month before anybody took me serious. <laughs> uh, oh, before, nice. Yeah, it took about a month before anybody kind of took me serious. And I don't want to draw this out too much, but um, that was kind of how I got my intro into, into marketing. I kind of asked about a role that was kind of not designed yet, not well thought out. And um, I took a risk. I got to do some projects with Gap and it kind of catapulted and opened this door um, and this voice that I found in marketing. And I've been in it ever since. <laughs> yeah. So it's quite. And at the time then, were you still dancing? Was that still like your passion and the, the thing you were really pursuing? Yes, at the time it was, um, as I mentioned, once I graduated, so I, I moved to New York when I was 19 years old. So I think the tail end of 2000, maybe 2010. And um, once I graduated two years later, because I already did like half half of my four years when I was in Boston. Once I graduated, um, that's when I got my agent. So I was still dancing up until that point and trying to figure out kind of how to balance it all. Um, but as I mentioned, when I um, got that opportunity to kind of work in digital marketing at Gap, um, the experience felt different, right? I think that when I was a dancer, it was kind of, it was, it felt like a waiting game. I was very insecure about um, my look and, you know, what I actually was eligible for or qualified for. Cause at that time, the industry liked a certain thing when it came to, to guys, right? I was, I'm very, I'm on the sure. shorter side, right? There were so many odds that I constantly felt like were working against me, doors that I constantly felt like were closing. But when I was, became a marketer, people were sitting down listening to my ideas. Uh, my checks were arriving on time, right? Uh, there was just, <laughs> there was this satisfaction. There was this satisfaction of like being able to sit down, um, have an idea, right? And then actually have a team of people kind of work together to make that idea come to life. There was a different experience that I was having, having that um, honestly kind of told me without telling me like, you know what, maybe you should pivot. Right. And I, and I and don't get me wrong, when I moved into uh, more of the marketing side, I did still get to keep um, 
parts of me, right? Parts of parts of the dance, part of the dancer, and bring that to the role, right? So one of the first big projects that we did um, was uh, we did some lookbooks for a couple seasons, and then we did like an Instagram um, commercial, right? And I got to cast some dancer friends that I knew. I got to co-choreograph that with some with this other guy named Jared. So I still I still always find ways to kind of bring that part of me to to what I do, what I was doing then, and what yeah. I do now. So to answer your question, I was still a dancer, but uh, not full time. Cool. So um, this this opportunity is brand new territory kind of opening up uh, whilst you're at Gap. Uh, fast forward to kind of where you are now, uh, a digital partnerships manager. I don't think certainly when I was uh, 19, 20, that was even a thing, <laughs> no. you know, a role. No. Um, and, and leading influencer marketing. So what, what, tell us a bit about that role. Oh my goodness. Okay. So, um, you're right. I think that when I moved to Los Angeles in 2016, I think that that was when social media influencer marketing was really exploding. Right. I think Vine was kind of the originator. Well, no, I would say maybe, maybe we had some MySpace, Facebook bloggers, like maybe that was a thing then, but Vine into um, the YouTube space really blew up this idea of um, us, right? Individuals, everyday people kind of having their own personal brand, whether that's centered around their creativity and their art, whether they're just really great entertainers. Maybe it's my look, maybe it's my voice and my personality that you love. Um, So it was exploding, which means brands were starting to really adopt this idea of like, we should be playing in this space. So No, my role didn't exist then, but I think today businesses really understand the value of human to human word of mouth marketing, right? So um, at Mattel, Digital Partnerships Manager, basically what I do is I manage um, our influencer as well as our celebrity partnerships uh, for the dolls portfolio. So under the dolls portfolio, there is um, Barbie. That's part of our team. Um, And then we, as you already mentioned, Monster High, um, which is making a comeback this fall. Um, We've been super, super excited about um, that launch. But under that is also a lot of nostalgic brands, right? Polly Pocket, everybody knows. Karma's World. Wow. Yeah, Polly Pocket, Karma's World, which is a Netflix series created by Ludacris, is under that. Um, next year, we'll be working on the Disney Princess doll. So um, it's, it's a lot going on. And we basically go out there and we find out most of our partners are, are either families um, who create, you know, together moms a lot. Moms are usually the people buying the toys for the household. Um, and then we partner also with a lot of kid creators in the YouTube space. And our goal, our job is to make sure that we're going out there and finding kind of like who are those content creators or influencers, people that um, either kid personalities that other kids recognize when they see their face pop up on their YouTube. Right. Or uh, are they mom personalities who other moms and families trust when they say, hey, listen, um, I recommend this, you know, and I think that what I love about um, Mattel's approach to influencer marketing is that we don't necessarily focus on like. Um, the surface level, right? Let's send some families a bunch of product that they're going to unbox on on camera and just get everybody excited. We really focus on teaching families the benefits of play, right? And I think that's one thing a lot of people don't know. There's actual science and studies behind the benefits of play, right? One, um, in representation, I think Mattel, a Mattel product is a part of every household, right? Whether it be Barbie, whether it be Hot Wheels, whether it be Uno, right? So of all ages, all genders. And going back to dolls, though, it's some of the first um, it's one of the first times I think that young girls, especially um, and boys play with Barbies too. That's fine. Right. Uh, I know I did, but it's one of the first times that girls, especially start to have questions about identity, start to have questions about their role. Right. In, in this world. And yeah, 100%. I hundred mm-hmm. percent. 
And I would say that um, Mattel's just done a great job at like really making sure representation is there, really making sure that um, career options are there, right? And that we really emphasize on like how does playing, seeing yourself in a toy, um, playing with other kids, how does that teach you social skills? How does that teach you to, to use your imagination, to be creative, to express yourself? So um, it's our goal to find the people who really can can, can uh, speak to those points. Yeah, it's such a, a really interesting point. And I'm seeing so much more around it um, <laughs> now. Things that I took for granted growing up that, hey, there just yeah. isn't like a black doll of that. Or there isn't like a plaster that matches my skin color. Yeah, Those things are yeah. changing around us in real time. And I see it a lot in, in my own work as well. Um, you know, we're going out and we're playing music in a band and our drummer's a girl. And parents are coming up to us saying, my little girl didn't realise she could be a drummer. Exactly. But now she sees exactly. this girl playing drums. She's like, oh, okay, I can be a musician as well. And it's so, so super important. It's great to, to, to get that kind of reward in, in what you're doing as well. Yeah. No, I think I think you're 100 percent right. And um, that's what that's what attracted me to the company. Right. I never I'm going to be honest with you. I never in a million years thought that I would be at Mattel and not not due to like a limiting belief, but it just wasn't on my radar. Right. I think when most people think of Mattel, the first brand they usually think of is Barbie, which and then they then they think of the blonde hair, blue eyed, tall, skinny Barbie. Right. So like. It just wasn't on my radar just due to the fact that even I wasn't paying attention to how far um, the company has come as far as making sure that their product is diverse and represents, right, reflects the world that we live in. But to your point, um, what really drew me to the role was the fact that I, for one, am very passionate about the development of young people, right, and what they believe to be possible. And it's like, again, to be in in a place that really encourages innovation that really encourages creativity and puts things in front of kids that boost their self-esteem, boost their self-identity, boost their self-image. Like I'm all behind, I'm all behind any company that is doing that. <laughs> awesome. And I suppose that kind of leads me on to, you know, Black Boy Create. Uh, yes. I read it cover to cover last night. I yes. found it absolutely fascinating. <laughs> easy read, right? Very easy read. <laughs> yeah. Really, really practical read as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I learned loads. Uh, I've still got a lot to learn in that kind yeah. of space. Um, so first of all, why why a book and why this book? Okay, well, I've been thinking about writing a book for a very, very long time now. And a lot of the stories, the personal stories that you get in the beginning of the book um, are little excerpts that I've written over the last like five or six years, right? I think that every now and then, at least for me, maybe like the last quarter of the year, I always just kind of journal and reflect. So it was kind of something that was in the making that I say over like six or seven years, but it came together in one year. (laughs) Um, But um, so why a book? I realized that as a, um, that's how I express myself best is through writing, right? So that was kind of first and foremost. I had all these collections of stories, all these different experiences written down. And I was like, it only makes sense to compile all of this um, and put it in a book. Um, and also too, I always told myself kind of growing up, like one day, all the things that I feel like I've been through to get to every chapter of my life, I was like, one day I'm going to put this in a book. So that the next little me, right. Um, the little me back in Boston, who's there right now, who, as I mentioned, kind of, you know, is growing up in a community where they, they feel like they just don't. I don't want to say don't belong, but it doesn't quite cater to what they do, because that's kind of how I felt growing up in Boston, where I was like, I am a creative, I'm an entertainer. This environment, though, doesn't cater to that. Right. There's a little me somewhere who should not have to go through all of that trying and feeling and learning. Right. And not because I don't think that 
that teaches you resilience. It does. And it teaches you to keep going and it teaches you work ethic. But there were just so many things that it's like, I wish somebody could have just told me this. So I didn't have to spend X amount of time figuring it out. So that was why I decided to write the book now, um, because I just feel like we're in a time where I kind of opened the book with that, the digital era. We're at a time where almost anything is possible, right? If you love books, if you love coffee, if you love talking about technology, whether it is fashion, whatever the case may be, you can truly step into that, right? Build something around that, that that you're truly passionate about. I know that the young kids right now have this, like, there's like two sets of people I say this book is for. One is for that, like 14 to, um, 17 year old high school kid who is in in school and they maybe feel like, oh, I don't know, school doesn't seem like it's quite for me, right? That whole formula of memorizing things and taking tests and, you know, you know, they, they just, they're just not resonating with this. Some other way that they love to learn. There's some other way they love to express themselves. There's some other thing that they want to do with their life other than follow a traditional academic path and go into college. And they're also online at the same time. We're very connected today, right? The average Gen Z kid, 14 to 27-ish, is spending seven to nine hours online per day, right? And in my opinion, not enough of them are creating, right? Or or really investing their time into fit, learning what they're passionate about. Some of them don't have the resources to, or the space or the time to even do that, right? So I wanted to write this book to empower that kid, right? To one, recognize that there is an opportunity. Your dream is very, very real as long as you, you take some time to visualize it, um, to create around it, right? And to have the patience to see it through. So that was kind of, just to give you a gist of kind of why I started the book, <laughs> why I decided to write the book now. So, so you mentioned that's mm-hmm. that's the one kind of group the book is aimed at um yeah but you also mentioned another kind of target audience i suppose for the book as well yeah yeah so that other audience would be someone who's coming out of college right because they're asking themselves right now like do I want to go into corporate? Everybody's very afraid of the nine to five. I'm going to lose all my time. It's going to suck all my energy, right? That's why everybody loved Beyonce's new single, Break My Soul, because she's like, release the job, release this, right? Release the stress. But, but, but I want to, but I, so, so one, right? I want that person to be able to have um, some type of a blueprint, right? If you are creative and you know this is what you want to follow, and maybe you don't have, again, either parents or someone around you that's saying, hey, listen, here's a path that you can go down, right? I want this book to to kind of be a playbook for that, right? Here's where you can start. Here's some different examples as you probably saw. I, I use my stories in the beginning because I want to show that I'm not just kind of making this up, right? I've been through this <laughs> step by step, right? So I want to show that no, like, and, and for real, right? I think at the end of the day, something I wasn't always transparent about growing up was the fact that like, I, again, I come from an immigrant family, one out of five. We were very, very poor. I, I grew up in shelters. I grew up in, in project housing, right? And eventually we got a home when I was in high school, right? And then again, I just was curious enough and ambitious enough to say, you know what? I'm going to go out into the world and figure out how to make this thing happen. So I want to show people that one, like I relate to that. I relate to that. So I want to kind of establish that first. But um, this, this, the, the middle kind of section of the book really dives into those characters that you met, those seven characters. Yeah. Um, and all of their stories are inspired by real people of this generation. Right. And I wanted to share it, it's and it's very it's very again it's very uh, it's not too in depth too intimidating but I wanted to kind of share from beginning to end what does it look like to discover who you are right how are people out in the world applying that and using digital tools and technology to kind of help amplify right and then three 
some people are going off and they're becoming entrepreneurs or are these online creators that we love to engage with on a daily basis and see. But some people are finding that they're better off kind of in the professional world, right? That's kind of like me right now. So I kind of wanted to paint as many pictures as possible to show that group that, okay, it's not one dimensional. It's not one way that you have to look at this, right? Here are all the different ways that you can look at this. So again, that college kid who's who's deciding right now, do I go into corporate? Do I just kind of start my YouTube channel? Do I start my Twitch channel? Do I trust my instinct of who I am? Um, or I don't know, right? So I just kind of want to eliminate that confusion for that kid in high school um, and that kid in college because they both want to be, I think if you ask anybody, uh, being an online, uh, being a content creator or an influencer comes up in the top five professions that almost anyone today says that they want to, wow. that they want to do from 13 all the way up to adults. You know what I'm saying? So, but a lot of people, especially people of color, um, youth of color, um, don't quite always know how to get in, um, to this world. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then a lot of times too, the parents of don't quite know yet, um, that this is a legit, a legit path, right. And that, and it can be a solid, stable career, um, and or business if we choose to see it as such. Yeah, I think, you know, that certainly resonates with with my path through the kind of entertainment industry as well. Um, Even, you know, with some level of success, you'll have people saying, okay, but how do you really make your money? And it's just Mm -hmm. they don't really understand. No, this is my career. This is how I pay my rent. This is how I pay my mortgage. This is how I pay the bills. Um, And you mentioned in the book something like $15 billion dollars worth of investment in influencer marketing. I mean, that's incredible. And we've talked about it already, that how practical the book is and how much I learned from it, just as, you know, someone a lot older <laughs> books maybe not aimed at. Um, of Yeah, there's, there's real kind of, there's career in this stuff now. And it's absolutely fascinating. Um, and yeah, there's, there's some stuff in there around kind of the real practicalities of contracting and, strategy and understanding around KPIs and things like that, which I suppose you're not going to learn that in school and you're not going to, exactly. who's going to teach you that? You know, I, certainly when I started my modeling career, I didn't know what the going rate for stuff was, you know, I'm, I'm in mm-hmm. it now. So I know, but you know, mm-hmm. what is it? 14 years ago, I wouldn't have known. Oh, is that a good price? Is that a bad price? I don't know. Yeah, no, 100%. So you're right. Um, now, the number's probably grown since I wrote that statistic, right? So this industry is... Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Worth a lot of money. 
Uh, and I think just to put it in, in really practical terms for the listener, um, the reason why influencer marketing has exploded so much is because you got to think about yourself. When you're going to make a purchase decision, whether that be to buy a book, um, to buy a fashion piece, to buy a skin skincare um, system, to go to a concert, to see a movie, to travel somewhere, who do you ask? You ask another person, you ask a friend, a relative, right? Or somebody or someone who, who you trust that they're going to give you an honest opinion, right? So that's the same value that um, influencers bring to marketing. Now, has it become a super saturated industry where there are some people that just take sponsored deal after sponsored deal after sponsored deal and you can't trust anything they say? Sure, right? But there are some people... But there are also some people that have really um, solidified their niche. They have really become a trusted voice in certain space, whether it's toys, healthcare, wellness, fashion, whatever the case may be. And you do trust when they say, hey, oh, my God, I just got this new moisturizer. Like, go check that out. And it can drive sales 10 times, 20 times just a standard billboard. Do you see what I'm saying? So that's why this industry is so big. But um, to your to your additional point, yes, I made this book. Um, very prescriptive for that creative person who um, has decided, you know what, I'm going to go out there and figure out who I am in this world. And it's not something you're going to learn in school. Not even if you have, if you become a professional and you have, let's just say um, you model or you dance and you have an an agent, right? They're not even going to teach you half of this stuff, right? And I think that not knowing Right. How to conduct yourself in this world or um, what to be looking for or or how to create a strategy or those are the big deterring factors. Right. It's when you put up that that your first YouTube video and, and five people watch it and you don't understand that. Hey, five unique people took the time to watch the video. That's great. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's great that five people somewhere in the world, I share in the book, my journey with YouTube and, and getting thousands of views back in the beginning of, you know, the beginning of the YouTube days and understanding instantly that, oh my gosh, like this is giving me the ability to reach people on a global scale. People who love what I love, people who actually are taking the time to sit down and watch something that I created. That is something to be power, to be proud of, right? So I try to, I wrote this book to shape perspective to shape a mindset but also to say hey listen here's how here's here's how you can conduct yourself here's how you operate here's what you should be measuring yourself against um because those are the deterring factors just not knowing what to charge not knowing what to do not knowing what to do next not right so it's like i try to put in there all the things that i didn't know growing up that i know is going to help somebody kind of understand learn the game keep moving forward and just not give up Great. Yeah. And I absolutely get that from, from reading the book and the, the kind of passion you have for what you're showing people is, is infectious and incredible to see as well. When say I'm, I'm a young 14 year old black boy reading this book and I'm inspired to create and, and go out there, but I've got other influences, teachers, parents, friends kind of saying, well, hang on a minute. No, this, there's only a handful of people who do this and it's not people like you. How do you speak mm-hmm. to that? Oh, that's a big question because I feel like that was my experience. And um, chapter one or chapter two, um, I do talk about the fact that um, you're going to have those external influencers. You're going to have those people that just just don't choose to get it. And I'll take this moment to say that just as much as this book is for you know younger people, it's also for parents who want to understand how to nurture um, a creative child or how to help them navigate their steps. Um, but I think that the best thing, um, what worked for me 
was finding an example to lock on to. And that's why I put those examples in there, right? I probably mentioned over 50 different creative Black men throughout the entire book, right? And I think Diddy was was that for me, right? All I needed to see was one person, right? Diddy, same situation. Upbringing was very similar. Um, he started his career as a dancer. That's a fun fact. A lot of people don't know, right? Then he became an intern. Then he then he you know started the label, moved into music, and now he's this big mogul, mogul who has this enterprise and portfolio of brands that truly are a lifestyle that he embodies and that he lives now. Say what you want to say about however he's done business in the past, but I truly looked up to and admired this guy, right? I was like, he looks just like me. Yeah. <laughs> Dark skin, like, you know what I mean? He, he, he's creative. He loves to move and express himself in a way that typically isn't celebrated in our community. But all I needed to do was see one example and then try my best to kind of copy that. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. So I think to that young person, I would say, do the research, right? Go out there and find the person who's walked the path that's as similar. You'll never find the exact path, right? But that's as, as close and as similar as possible. And you have to study every step they took, right? Go watch their interviews, go read their books if they have them, um, go where they're speaking, whatever you can do to learn their journey, right? Because I think I started off this conversation with saying like the average kid is online seven to nine hours per day. And not, and I think that um, a lot of them are just consuming all this media and this news and this and this content. And in some cases, spending a lot of that time comparing themselves to their peers, right? People their age that are in, in L.A. traveling or going to Coachella, right? Yeah. And living these super like unreal lifestyles. And it's causing it's causing mental health issues. It's causing self-image issues, right? So my combat to that is, hey, instead of just being a spectator, how about you go out there and participate? How about you go out there and you make something? How about you go out there and give yourself a shot, right, at becoming who it is that you know that you can be? And that's kind of what I always believed, where I was like, this is my circumstance. This is where I grew up. But I know that there's more to the world than this. I know that there's more to life. I know that I'm capable of more than this. So go out there. You have to find that example, study them, right, and as best as you can, right? I know there's all these different factors and circumstances that kind of weigh in and it influences that kind of try to beat you down. But if you, if you, if you find that example, you really lock into the vision of who it is that you know that you are right. And, and really create a strong why that was a big thing for me too. At the, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what happens to you. When you go back to that, why when you go back to that example, when you go back to that person that you're like, Oh my God, if they were able to do it, and their circumstances are similar. I know that I can too. And that typically, <laughs> at least for me, uh, is what's going to help you keep going. That's what I would say to that person. Awesome. Awesome. I suppose as well, it speaks to something else that you, you talk about in the, in the book, um, creating that vision. And uh, I know, I know you've, you've got a video um, that links out of the book where you show yeah. your, your <laughs> kind of vision boards and how yeah. easy it is to kind of create your own. Um, how important is that for you still um, in, in your world? Still. Yes, I do that every single year. I do it every single year. Um, I'm a very visual learner. Most creative people are, right? And I physically need to see um, representation, faces, uh, words of affirmation, right? Things that just pump me up in the morning. I listen to podcasts every every single day, sometimes even three times a day. And whether that be in business, whether that just be dope, dope black dads, where they're just talking about life and sharing their perspective and the experience of the black man, right? I just, I love to feed myself stuff that keeps me going, that keeps my energy up. 
Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Some people get that in other people. I get it in content, in visual, in images. So I do it every single year. Um, usually by the end of the year is when I start kind of reflecting and deciding what I want my intention to be for the next year. So this year was more community and connection. Um, next year, I haven't quite figured it out quite yet, but top of the year, I sit down and it's super easy, right? As you saw in that clip, um, just pull out a bunch of magazines. Those types of things are usually laying around the house, um, cardboard, and I just put up there everything that I feel like I want to in- interact with on a daily basis. I want to see when I wake up. There's even one right behind me. Uh, I won't move and grab it, but this one has a bunch of words of affirmation. Think bigger, right? Work work smarter, not harder. You can do it, right? The real work happens off the field. Just little things that remind me that you can dream, you can um, have vision and, and manifest all you want to, but there is a certain mental toughness you have to have and there is a work ethic you have to have. So that's why sure. I kind of encourage people to do that. Yeah, I think that the work ethic part is, is a huge part of, you know, if people ask me kind of, uh, and also you talk about people's journeys people ask me oh how did you get into television or how did you get into this and I'm like well you know that's this is my journey yours will be different your background will be different your skills will be different um but you know what's really interesting for me having been in and around the industry for for so long now is that it's really hard work to get there and it's really yeah. hard work to stay there <laughs> Yeah, um, no, absolutely. It just—it never seems to stop. And also, the other day, the reward for all that hard work is I absolutely love what I do, and that's that's the other mm-hmm. thing that I like to kind of tell anyone who's kind of looking looking to me for any advice in that in that field. Um, so you mentioned already, you know, your focus for this year is around community, and uh, we know a percentage of the book's proceeds go to um, building the innovative uh, innovation studio for Black youth in Inglewood. Tell us a bit about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's definitely still very, very early um, in the development stages, but the concept um, is this. Um, I'm starting in Inglewood because I feel like I'm in I'm in L.A. now. Right. And it's important to me that I do it um, in a community where there are mostly um, people of color in the community. And um, Inglewood is definitely coming up right now, um, being super developed. There's a super popular, um, I would say, insecure kind of made certain areas um, in Inglewood. I don't want to say pop. That's probably the wrong word to use. But my point is the community is really being developed. And I feel like a lot of people that I've been meeting these days um, who are creative creators are, are like, oh, I'm from Inglewood or like there's just a lot happening in that community. Sure. So the goal for that space is I think that um, it's going to be a while before I think school curriculums adopt this idea that um, being creative um, is a path, right? Yeah. A legitimate path that they want to teach and like build a pipeline for kids to kind of go through. And I even and I even personally think that um, some like performing arts schools kind of miss the mark on the business side of being um, a creative person. Yeah. So the, the goal for um, this kind of innovative innovation studio space is to be a place where um, not just me, um, you know, obviously I would kind of launch it, but I want to partner with other people in the community to teach. Uh, It won't just be for boys either. It'll be all kids of color, uh, more so teens who are trying to, one, again, explore and discover who they are. They know they know that it's not corporate. They know that it's not academics. Right. We're smart, but we know that we express ourselves in a more artistic way. So they want somewhere where they can come and just feel encouraged to explore and discover exactly what that means. But two, um, I want to build in um, different different kind of like uh, 
workshops, I guess we can put them workshops that teach them now how to apply their creativity, right? Because again, I think for me growing up, discovered I was a dancer. Okay, music videos. Okay, I can be a background dancer and then maybe I can leverage that into choreography. I looked at it one very linear way, right? Until I actually got out there into the world and decided, let me try editing today. Let me see if I like that. Let me try doing some, right? I got to try different things before it was like, okay, we landed in marketing. So I want to create a space where kids actually get to go out there. If they want to build a product, let's build a product, right? If they want to learn how to start a podcast, let's launch a podcast. Let's teach them about branding. Let's teach them about building a studio. Let's teach them about content and marketing and, and copy, right? If they yeah. want to be a gamer, right? Let's teach them how their obsession with games and video characters can turn into a career, right? So I really wanted to be almost like an accelerator where they can come in, explore, discover, learn to create, right? Turn what they do into content for the most part because that's just kind of where the world is going Um, but again show them that being creative is not one dimensional but also teach them the hard technical skills right if you want to create a video you have to know how to edit it you have to know how to tell a story and piece it together you have to know how to optimize what you're doing on these different platforms right so i want to teach them to to continue to dream and to visualize and to create but i also want to teach them the business entrepreneurship right here's how you can maybe start building relationships with the brands if that's what you see right here's how you could um diversify maybe you're not just someone who just exists on youtube how do you take what you're doing on youtube translate that to linkedin to 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 I was going to say Twitter, but I would say TikTok to Twitch, right? Like how do we shape their understanding of how they can take their art and what they do and actually communicate it to the world versus for a long time, I think the artist always was kind of uh, given this narrative that you're going to be a starving artist. There's not a lot of ways to make money doing that. <laughs> you're going to be struggling, right? And I really yeah. want to flip that narrative kind of on its head and, and create one of I won't say I was going to say the first, but I probably am not the first, but create one of the first in this community that teaches from that level, from the student level yeah. that, you know what I'm saying? What's your what you love to do? Um, you can turn that into you can build a life in a dream, in a career or a job or a business around that. That's kind of the goal of it. That's amazing. And it's so interesting yeah. you're talking about the business side of being a creative Um countless times in in my life I've met people who have graduated from some of the best performing arts schools in the country dancers actors their their hard skills and their craft are incredible but they've done three years of drama school and no one's ever told them what happens in an audition exactly exactly Um, and I worked with someone once who said you know I did drama school I you know got better at singing got better at acting got better at ballet but the best you know lesson I ever got was this guy came in for two hours and told me how to do my tax return yeah yeah <laughs> because that's yeah. The, that's part of the job as well and I was like yeah like no one it's not really in a lot of curriculums mm-hmm. to go into that kind of level of detail of of the business and, and as you said you know like there's so much that is around the business it's so difficult for me to explain my job to someone in a couple of words mm-hmm. because exactly. there's so much that I can get involved in and I love that that diversity in in my my life and career and, and we know that that this next generation are going to have you know as many jobs and careers as they kind of want and some of them happening at the same time exactly. as well um that's really cool to see that kind of happening in the same way i suppose the other thing that's really interesting is when you're talking about something like linkedin um and you talk about it in your book the power of a personal brand and how 
actually, as time goes by, whatever career path you're in, this is, you know, people are consuming content at a rate of knots. And, you know, even if you're, you know, working in law or in accounting or whatever, you know, some kind of uh, white collar profession, you're probably still going to need to know how to edit video, how to create, how to build a connection with someone and tell a story. Um, So yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting and daunting. Yeah, no. And that's if you want to, right? Like that's going to be my quick disclaimer. That's if you want to. I think that not everybody loves the idea of like creating content, being on camera, right? So this is more so just for the people who know that, because like, don't get me wrong, like there are some people out there who at their core, they're creative, but they still want to be a doctor. They still do want to be a lawyer or do something that, you know, is a little bit more on that side. And I think that that's fine. But I think that what I'm trying to create awareness around is this idea that you don't only have to pursue things from one angle, right? And again, being, being, a being, a I'm going to keep saying creator today because that's what that's just the best term. I think it's not one dimensional. Right. I know plenty of lawyers who are like, you know what, this is still kind of what I want to do for for their own reason. But I'm going to have a TikTok presence, too, where I kind of help and add value and educate, you know, my viewers on like the fine print and what to look for in terms and conditions or contracts or right or different scenarios in which. Right. This is really one fun guy. I can't remember his name right at this moment, but he's on TikTok and he and he basically I don't know. I hope he has the rights and the clearance, but he shows different like um, real surveillance footage of like uh, things kind of playing out. Let's say it's a car accident. Very minor stuff. Very minor stuff. Car accident or and he's like, okay, who would be liable? He plays like a game kind of out of it. Right. And then when he brings the clip back, he'll say actually here's what actually happened so this person would be liable right and it's kind of educational in a way right so he it's nothing gra- anything crazy that he posts up there yeah. but my point is right it's just not one dimensional and i think that as time goes on people are going to learn that like life just just we can let's just be more free let's just be more free yeah. and we and when we start to understand where all these ideas kind of came from about the fact that like Okay, if you're going to be in this profession, you have to present yourself this way. Or if you're going to be in this profession, mm. it has, like we're going to start questioning more like where that stuff kind of comes from. I could be in a serious profession, but still decide to have fun and be connected and participate in this creative economy that we're kind of in a way all a part of. Right. It's not just for the people who are super confident or, you know, the core of what they do as their professional takes place online. It's for everybody to just all be connected, all be ourselves and understand that at the end of the day, that's why that's kind of what we how we all relate the most you know what i mean just by being everyday humans so i'm I'm looking forward to the future and kind of how this is all gonna unfold (laughs) let's put it that way yeah me too so thinking about the future for for david george i know you've not got to the end of the year yet and probably not starting to think about kind of what's going to go on your vision board um (laughs) for next year but have you got kind of anything else in your mind any in big goals or things you uh, are looking forward to for next year Yes, I think for next year, um, well, first off, the book came out about two weeks ago, so I'm just kind of seeing where that takes me. Um, but I know that for sure I want my next step to be I want to get into schools. I really want to get into schools. I feel very, very something there's a big intuition in, in me right now that's telling me I need to get in front of um, high school students between that high school collegiate age students who are making these decisions, who know they just have a burning desire um, or just something that they're passionate about, but they just need somebody to tell them like, it's okay. 
go ahead, go do it. You know what I mean? Take the risk, take the leap, right? And to tell them that no's are going to happen, but that's fine, right? They just need somebody at that level, right? Because it's like, once you kind of get, in my opinion, I never think it's too late. It's never too late. But once you kind of get out of high school, you get out of college, um, you start getting all this pressure to like, what, all right, what are you going to do next? Right? How, what's your career, right? You start getting all this pressure to make decisions that you don't feel like you really have time to figure yourself out. So I want to kind of get in there early. So I see speaking kind of happening more in the next year, getting into schools, really turning Black Boy Create into a curriculum that anybody could follow, um, especially if they want to pursue a creative path, whether that be as an online digital creator or a creative professional. Um, I would say that's the biggest thing on my radar right now. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I wish you all the best with that. And of course, with the book, as you said, Black Boy Create is out now. David, where can people get hold of the book? It is. <laughs> yeah, so um, www.supportcreativeblackboys.org um, is where you can just kind of learn more about, you know, what all the goodies that are in the book and kind of how the framework has come together. Um, and then you'll, you can either visit the bookstore directly on that website or on Amazon. If you type in Black Boy Create by David George, um, you can order it there as well. Fantastic. Right. Thank you very much uh, for today, David George. Um, Thank and you. I wish you a wonderful rest of the day. Dope Black Podcast.